Let's do this. What is virtualization? You're going to learn today. Innovate like a startup. Deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffeeed up and ready because it's going to be a great day. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson. Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast, episode number 213. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me once again is Mr. John Nicholson. John, how you doing? Good. I'm, I'm trying to trace all that, uh, all the different cables and networks in my house. Everything's just so distributed. It's, it's, I've, I've mm. actually got a device right now I can't even find. <laughs> I love it. So what are you going to do? How are you going to fix that? Well, I think I'm just going to embrace a distributed structure. I mean, I've, I, I've got this DNS server that I don't quite know where it is, but I, <laughs> I need it to talk cleanly and in a consistent state with my others. So I don't know. I, I need to look at it better technologies to, to better bring things together in this house. Yeah, man. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, and kudos to that awesome segue into our topic today. <laughs> yeah, uh, we definitely talk in some distributed systems, but I'm really excited. Uh, we, we've spoken to this gentleman before, uh, but this time we're talking about something that is super exciting. It's, it's VMware blockchain. And so joining us on the podcast, not for the first time, is our good friend, Mr. Josh Laurie. Josh, welcome back. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Josh. So hmm, the last time, the first time I heard of, of VMware's blockchain was uh, it was over a year ago. But I was talking to uh, our CTO Kit, and he had mentioned VMware blockchain and some of the things that we were doing with it. And uh, you know, and I couldn't help but think, oh wait, are we involved in Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like a like an enterprise level. Uh, I don't know. I, I was very confused, and uh, but I know it's it's a totally different game with some common you know ground with Bitcoin. But maybe we can just start very uh, high level and and explain to folks what exactly is VMware blockchain. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me on. And John, you are the master of segues. So thank you for that. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So a couple of key points here that I'll make is, you know, VMware blockchain, um, you know, it builds on VMware's DNA as a company. We've been in business for over 20, 20 years, 24 years to be exact. And, you know, we grew up as a distributed system engineering company, right? I mean, vSphere at its essence took physical assets in the data center, servers, storage, network, and made those into virtual asset, virtualized assets, yep. where you could not do things uh, in the physical world, you could do them in the virtual world, right? I remember my first moment of, uh, you know, vMotioning and Active Directory server between one physical data center and the next one, East Coast and West yeah. Coast, and it failed over and everything went well. And I was like, this is magic, right? So we, <laughs> we, are, we have experience in distributed decentralized systems. And now we're looking at blockchain as this sh shared source of truth. And we want to take all of the attributes of public blockchain. You mentioned Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, you know, is the second, you know, largest out there as far as value. Um, things like immutability, shared source of truth, privacy, right? All of these attributes that we, we want, consensus, and bring that to the enterprise, bring that to business, right? This is about applications being architected differently, designed differently in decentralized, distributed way. Where are those applications going to run in the future? That is on a blockchain, right? Um, as the internet 
architecture starts to change from web 2.0 to 3.0. And I know Jack Dorsey just released web 5.0, which was um, a huge, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. That is a Jack um, thing, Effort. We're going straight to five. You yeah, know. we're skipping four, <laughs> we're gonna go to five. But the, the, the key principle there is that, you know, the masses can join protocols like TCP IP and HTTPS and anybody can, can join the internet. Um, and in web 2.0, you know, customers and, and clients and users of the internet you could read data, you could write data, but you could not own your data. And this is the, the new precipice of Web3, if you believe it or not. But um, the Web3 Web world is that you can own a piece of the Internet, an asset on the Internet, um, and you can own your destiny, right? You know, not your keys, not your, not your coin. But we want to take all those great attributes and bring them to, to business, bring those to large institutions. And that is what we're doing with our VMware blockchain platform. It is a blockchain platform through and through. We developed this back in 2018, our amazing VMware research team, a um, bunch of cryptographers, um, engineers, distributed systems engineers, built out a new consensus protocol. It's based on uh, older technology, Byzantine fault tolerance consensus protocol, but we built this yeah. into a scalable system that enterprises can use, which they expect all of the non-functional requirements to be there in a distributed system. Things like scalability, performance, day two operations. How do you back up a blockchain, restore it, do DR? How do you do upgrades with data consistency? All of these things, right? Production support, right? Coming from a company that they trust, right? With all their mission critical applications all running in a centralized model, right? Today, we want to take this into the next rung, the next architecture of a decentralized model. And so that is why VMware Blockchain exists. Um, we uh, went initially available with our VMware Blockchain platform and product in late 2020. So we've been around for about two years and we have some really amazing use cases, particularly in financial services that we're going to talk about here in a second, um, that I think are some of the, the best use cases that we have in the ecosystem, right? And, and I'm very excited to share those. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, how your audience can get started on VMware blockchain and start, you know, kicking the tires on things. So it's it's great to kind of hear about the platform. And it's, it's cool hearing that we do have some unique IP here. The Byzantine fault tolerance, um, you know, it looks like it addresses some of the scalability concerns from a from a throughput or transactions per second from a state basis that some of the traditional um, blockchain uh, technologies have had. But what are some of the use cases that we're enabling? What am I able? What are what are we doing here? I mean, we can talk about the the you know how this is different than a transactional database or things like that, or we can talk about this dif different than traditional distributed applications. What are some of the specific use cases that we're we're seeing crop up? Yeah. Thank you, John, for that. So I'm going to do it through a customer lens, right? And, and just building on the last question, you know, our blockchain, the Ember blockchain is a private permission chain, right? We, um, we want businesses to build out their ecosystems in a private way, invite their um, trusted parties or trustless parties to the ecosystem and then start transacting on VMware blockchain. We know that this will evolve, you know, going back to, you know, public blockchain world, this will evolve into a multi-chain world where, you know, there, there will be companies, um, like I'm gonna mention here in a second, that want to bridge from a private permission chain into a public L1 mainnet uh, for things like, you know, trading, you know, cryptocurrencies or bringing in stable coins or doing finality and timestamping on a public chain. Yeah. So we get that. Um, we know this is going to be an evolution. And just like we've become a multi-cloud company where everything you know started you know 
underneath a, a desk, you know, in a physical machine. Then we moved into private cloud, STDC, and now it's a hybrid multi-cloud world. That's the same path that we're heading here with, with uh, blockchain as well. It's much earlier in the cycle, right? This is a 10 to 15 year cycle, we believe. Um, and so we're almost like at the beginning of cloud, if you go back, you know, eight to 10 years ago. So anyways, as I get into these use cases, just keep that in your mind um, that it is early. This is a private permission chain. You get started with an ecosystem within the company's uh, you know, network uh, of businesses that they operate and partners that they operate with. And then eventually it's going to bridge out to, to public blockchain as well. Okay. So the, the, primarily we are focused on financial services, financial services, companies, use cases, and particularly within capital markets. So these are players like very large stock exchanges, asset managers, clearing and depositories, central banks, uh, technology providers that provide platforms and, and, and ecosystem networks already to capital markets players, right? So it's all investment banks, large investment banks as well. So those are the key players that we are um, positioning ourselves towards. And, and that's for a couple of reasons. One, we got our start there back in you know, early 2020, 2019 with ASX, the Australian Security Exchange. Um, this, this institution handles all stock clearing and settlement for the entire Australian equities market. It's about the two to $3 trillion market. Um, so it's very, very large. Uh, and they, you know, they handle everything. Uh, from clearing a depository to clearing a depository. You know, we have an institution here called DTCC that sits on top of yep. all the exchanges. They are their own DTCC, for example. They deal with all the public listings of companies on Australian Stock Exchange and then everything that has to do with clearing and settlement um, and, and, you know, making that market uh, flourish. Um, they have built their new clearing and settlement function. Um, it used to be called Chess, or their current system is called Chess. They're building out Chess Plus, which is a new clearing and settlement uh, platform based on distributed ledger technology, VMware blockchain. And they're using smart contracts um, to, to automate these mutualized workflows and take out a lot of the friction in the current system, right? So that is one really nice use case is clearing and settlement, post-trade operations, middle to back office uh, functions where we can take out a lot of the friction you know, efficiency, we can increase efficiencies, we can increase liquidity in that market, which is a big one right now, especially as the market is getting squeezed as well. Uh, and there's a liquidity gaps in the market. Um, it brings, you know, fairness to the market because it's more transparent. You know, ASX is seeing, you know, in their industry testing of this, their partners come on board and start to test this in different ways that weren't possible before in the, in the traditional system. So that is one really nice use case. In the meantime, they set up a new network on the side of Chess Plus, because um, that's the first one clearing a settlement, called Symphony. And Symphony is their blockchain as a service platform. So they're essentially um, leveraging VMware blockchain and smart contract technology. Um, it happens to be digital asset DAML in this case. And they are providing that to other customers that want to set up their own blockchain ecosystems. So for example, they have KPMG on Symphony, blockchain as a service. Um, they're doing building assurance on that platform. So instead of KPMG setting up their own blockchain network, they're going to ASX, a trusted, reputable brand uh, in, in, that, in that space. They're setting up their decentralized application, which happens to be building assurance. And now they can do fantastic things like give buildings construction ratings and environmental ratings and appraisal ratings. 
in a transparent and fair way on a blockchain that's, you know, uh, provides all those attributes that we like in the public space, but bringing them to a private permission chain, and then they can interact with all their partners, insurance companies, appraisers, you know, environmental regulatory agencies, um, you know, uh, government agencies that need to put the seal of approval, like, hey, this building is good to go, it's not going to collapse, right, like what we had in, in Florida, uh, you know, a few years back. Um, and so, so all of those things are starting to come, come to bear. So they're building out that as a service platform on the side of their major, you know, function of the market clearing and settlement, and that's Chess Plus. So that's one big one. And, you know, our, our exec sponsor, you know, Dan Chesterman, he's the CIO there, um, you know, they, they are, they're building their, their new business on top of blockchain. You know, and, and this goes all the way up. This goes all the way up to the the chairman of the board, right? Um, is involved with the transformation of the Australian stock exchange, and it's a pretty extra extraordinary use case because they're one of the first movers. It's a first mover advantage, um, and you know they're going to get to set the standards, you know, in in this market as more participants join their network, and it's really great. It's it's, it's a really innovative piece, and we're carving new new ground with them. So that's awesome partnership and an awesome use case. So looking, it's interesting seeing you talking about the stock exchange, but them also enabling information sharing for other secondary or derivative markets and things like that against assets. Um, you know, this is one of the things that I guess I've been trying to wrap my head around is what all was blockchain going to enable? It sounds like, you know, for one thing, you know, speeding up settlement uh, within markets is definitely a huge advantage. I know in the US we have uh, struggled to, you know, I won't even say real time, even getting to T plus one or, you know, a shorter settlement window has been a challenge for us. But seeing in other markets, you were talking about how they were able to, you know, have building information or other things that pretend, you know, uh, hypothecating or taking loans or things against can open up some opportunities. I'm curious on the regulatory framework, if they're able to code some of that into this, because this has been a challenge is perpetually financial markets and platforms keep moving faster and regulators or, or you know, governors of markets who are talking about fairness um, are often struggling to keep any type of um, handle on that. Is this is, is that something that these platforms may be able to enable? Yeah, automating these manual processes on a shared source of truth on a one network versus before where, you know, you had these silos of data's data, centralized applications that have all these messaging systems sending data back and forth. It causes a huge burden on data reconciliation. And this is generic across any use case where you have a large amount of data where it comes into a system and it's got to be reconciled. Parties have to agree, two parties or multiple parties need to agree that that data has integrity, it's accurate, and they trust each other in a trustless environment. And so how do you do that in a centralized world? This gets down to the, the crux of- well, you, why- you just hire a third party who's a central and you hope that they're <laughs> doing their job. I mean, yeah. it's, I, 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 you know, I, I jokingly say that, but there's entire industries that are based on like, hey, we're the third party. None of y'all trust each other. You kind of get along. You know, I'll, I'll call out uh, Sabre as an example in the airline industry, these common platforms of settlement that have been built. And it's, you know, instead of a cloud, instead of a distributed application, it's just a giant mainframe somewhere in Dallas or whatever that's batch processing. But it, it looks like this is a, a platform, I guess, to move away from that model or enable that model to become a development platform rather yeah. than just, I guess, a boarding. Saber is not going to go away, but you know they become more than just a boring database in the sky. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th this is this is why the technology is so disruptive, and we feel like we're so early because there are, there are a lot of nuances to this. You you know, uh, when I was coming into this early, it's like, okay, so so what is it about blockchain that's going to enable all this disruptive technology? And and I think we're nailing it right here. Is that 
this intermediary model, the centralized model, will be supplemented with something much better where companies like ASX can interact more directly with their partners and their customers, more so than ever before, but still be supplemental with all of their intermediary players because they're thinking about how do they disrupt themselves as well. Um, you know, there, there's big platform companies in financial services, I'll name a few like, you know, FIS, Global, and, um, and Fiserv, right? Um, they provide, you know, core banking technologies and, and functions, trade functions to these big institutions. So they're thinking about how they can supplement with blockchain and DLT as well and engage with their customers differently. But yes, this, this whole data reconciliation piece, you know, if you want to abstract that away and have a, a shared source of truth that you can verify the data cryptographically without trusting each other, quote unquote, that is the attribute we want to bring into business. And I think that is going to open the doors to many new use cases, many new products and services. Not it's This is not only just a cost takeout measure, efficiency play, like you were saying, going from T plus two, which a stock trade today in, in America's anyways, is in the US, it takes two days to, to clear, right? So when you buy yeah. Apple shares and you're Charles Schwab, you don't actually get those shares to two days later, you get an IOU. Right. And if you start looking into yeah. market structure, you know, uh, and, and looking into how all this it's it's a huge process on the back end of pushing that button to buy a, a share of Apple. It's a huge process yeah. in middle to back office. So how do we, you know, uh, increase efficiency there, bring the speed back? You know, when you make a crypto trade, you know, you can you can take custody of that asset pretty much the same day. Right. Um, and so, you know, we want to take some of those attributes and bring them but going back to this whole data reconciliation, you know, having different models, um, you, you know, intermediaries, some of them will be disruptive, some of them will be supplemental to these new ecosystems. Um, and we're working across the financial system, the systems and, and players to see where that disruption can happen. So that's AS Texas one. Um, I want to talk about Broadridge a little bit, and then some others that we're seeing as well crop up. So Broadridge is, uh, it, it is an, uh, a capital markets player. Um, but in this use case, they are um, transforming the way that they do re repurchase agreements. So this is a repo system. It's called DLR, Distributed Ledger Repo. And uh, they are bringing on very large institutions into this new ecosystem that Broadridge is running. So um, Broadridge deals with you know over $10 trillion in transactions, right? And they're looking at bringing on more and more of that volume into this distributed ledger. And you know, some of the clients that are public that are on this new ecosystem are UBS. Um, they just signed up SockGen, uh, Generale, um, and they're transacting very large volumes. So back in late 2021, when this went live, it was doing $35 billion a day in repo transactions, intraday bilateral oh. repo. And, um, and for, for people who aren't in finance, just breaking down repo, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, that is a is a repurchase agreement is what the term means. And this is a short term borrowing against a security. Right. Yes. And so this is this is a this is a especially right now um, where there's there's so much infused cash in the system from covid and, and you know, the central rescue banks. package, central banks. Yeah. Right. Um, this yeah. is a really critical function. Um, they're looking at increasing liquidity. They're looking at, you know, building efficiencies into this, um, doing different use cases. So right now they're doing intraday bilateral agreements. They could be doing overnight, you know, in the future, things like that. Um, but, you know, this, this is a way for them to increase liquidity, reduce the friction in the system, increase efficiencies in the system. Um, and that's why these clients are, are seeing or they're seeing 
new adoption, right? This network effect of new participant nodes coming online, um, like UBS and SockGen, these customers, these very large institutions are seeing two to $3 million a year in trading fees reduction on this new platform, which is really oh, big, wow. right? Um, and if you look at $35 billion a day, just from where, where it started, right? That's more than a lot of the public cri cryptocurrencies out there, right? So there's a lot of limelight on, you know, funding and startups and, and the space in public is, is very innovative, very fast moving, right? Um, it's great, all the use cases that are coming out because it's, it's forcing everybody to raise their game. Um, and and be more competitive, right? In this space, yeah. But the the repo market may be boring, but it's a it's it's a two trillion dollar global market. Mm -hmm. And you know, even yeah. if you're a even if you're handling you know a a small double digit percentage of that, that is a stupid amount of money. And, and this this is going back to the main theme of if we unleash the the core positive attributes of public blockchain in business, right? In the private sector or even public sector, right? There's so much money and so much innovation to be unlocked because the, the cryptocurrency market is less than $1 trillion right now, right? It's gone down substantially. It was close to $2 trillion a few months ago. It's gone down to less than $1 trillion when you add up Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of these things. When you look at capital markets, there's hundreds of trillions of dollars sitting there. So if we can unleash the, the innovation that blockchain brings on yeah. those markets, right? And bring those attributes to them, this is gonna be a whole new world. And um, and so that that's what Broadridge is doing. This is live in production. Um, this is one of the largest by value or volume transacted uh, on a on a private permission chain uh, in the world, right? So we also have a few more that we've done a press releases and announcements, like Deutsche Borsa Group for um, end to end digital securities processing, right? Their D seven platform. Uh, they're looking at this. We've also made an announcement with Bursa Malaysia, another stock exchange. Um, you know, around the similar things. Um, so we are making progress on bringing these new ecosystems online. And that just gives you a flavor of what, what can happen here. The last one that I'm going to share is, is a super interesting one um, that we just released, uh, was it two weeks ago? Uh, bank of Israel. So this is the central bank of Israel, like our Federal Reserve, essentially. They um, produced a study on their digital shekel. So this is their central bank digital currency project, CBDC. And um, what they really are focusing on is how do we provide privacy to our citizens and constituents if they were going to use a CBDC, right? For one of the, one of the main adoption barriers to creating a CBDC is, well, you, me, John, Pete, myself, I don't want the central bank looking at every single transaction that I make. When I go to CVS yeah. and buy a packet of gum, uh, with the CBDC, like, why should they care about that? Why, why, why should it be reported um, and, and tracked and everything? So how do we provide accountable privacy, right? The digital analog of cash. If you can think about cash and the good properties, it's completely private, right? Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> absolutely, right? And, and so, but how do you provide this balance in a digital currency to provide privacy under a certain limit, which is set by the central authority in this case, the central bank to say, any, let's just take an example. Anything under $10,000, you can transact privately. Anything over $10,000, you can. it's going to be reported to the relevant institutions. So for our case in the, in the United well, States, and IRS, if, you're, if you're not aware of that today, if you go into a bank and you try to deposit you know, $1,001, there is a form that is getting filled out, whether you recognize it or not. And it right now, it's this kind of bizarro system of entirely depending on whatever gut feeling the bank manager felt that day, they might just freeze your account. 
uh, for yes. a month. Uh, no, I mean, this is a thing like you'll see these Reddit threads. Where people are like, oh, my God, I, I bought a, you know, I sold a car in cash and I, I deposited and now I can't access my bank and they haven't talked to me for a month. And like automating that type of system and providing some clarity on that, that is that is interesting of how do you you provide that balance of not enabling money laundering, you know, which is really what this is about. Yeah. That's right. And and most people don't realize today, you know, if the government asks for Bank of America's information, Bank of America really has to give it over, right? Yeah. Um, and so they, they can look at technically all of your transactions, but how do you provide a system where cryptographically everybody on that system can say, yes, anything under $10,000, going back to our example, is private. I can prove that with math. And we have, um, you know, our, again, our amazing team of researchers and, and VMware blockchain engineers to come up with this stuff. But, you know, there's a paper on um, digital cash infrastructure, um, this technology called UTT, untraceable transactions. It's based on zero knowledge proofs and it kind of supercharged that whole concept so that, you know, institutions like a central bank can institute this accountable privacy policy at scale of millions of users that are going to potentially use this the system and uh, or the, the the digital currency um hmm. they happen to be it's looking, like the ipx protocol versus tcp ip i guess right <laughs> yeah and, and i think you know to that point pete you know we're going to start talking about blockchain like tcp ip and some of these technologies that don't really get talked about but are critical to making the internet work um it's it's going to become mainstream where it's like oh i have a decentralized application it happens to use this blockchain this smart contracting language these protocols to to communicate um and this is how it secures itself right and I, and i think that's where the industry is going versus you know all the ins and outs of each blockchain um yeah and that's a, mm -hmm. that's another point that i wanted to make so our our blockchain platform vmware blockchain supports multiple smart contracting languages um so it is an open platform if you think about the beauty of vsphere again going back to that analogy Everybody gets it, right? So when we started with GSX uh, and ESX back in the day, we only, the first thing we virtualized, the, the first operating system was Linux. That's the only thing we knew how to do. We were a one trick pony. Uh, oh, yeah. Then we said, oh, there's this company, Microsoft, they're releasing Windows. We should probably do that one. That's probably going to be something. And then- That's going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we're like, oh, you know what? We should probably do Oracle databases, right? And that was sort of the, the order, right? But the point being is that you can operate these operating systems at scale with the same operating principles and processes on the same platform. You don't have to build all of these siloed stacks for different specialized operating systems. It's the same thing with VMware blockchain, but we're doing that for abstraction layers of smart contract execution engines. So we support digital asset DAML today. That was the first one. And that's what ASX and Broadridge is doing with, with their systems today. And it's really geared towards financial services use cases. It's very good for uh, privacy, granular privacy um, to provide that to these ecosystems. Um, we also just introduced our tech preview of Ethereum. So we have an EVM compatible uh, you know, system as well. Uh, yeah. And so you can run both of these smart contracting languages if you want that flexibility to say, you know what, this use case, I'm going to use Ethereum. And in the case of Bank of Israel, they are exploring the Ethereum path, um, which gives them access to a much larger ecosystem of developers, tools, use cases, right? Um, the, the public version of Ethereum, right? All the the assets and, and currencies that are currently on there, right? You got USDC, you got all the new, you know stable coins on there. That you can access eventually and bridge into so that it gives you a lot of advantages there but but the point being is that you use the same platform that is going to be scalable you can do day two operations around it you have comfort around it because it's supported by vmware 
right? Um, I saw backups and restore. That makes me happy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would. John. <laughs> Always get everybody on on that part. And it also works with uh, AWS, correct? Yeah. So th that's the other piece. You can run this platform. Um, this is the other part of being distributed is you can run this platform on a vSphere based cloud, either you own it on premises uh, or in the cloud, you can run it, you know, on AWS native, um, you know, that's an option as well. We see customers doing that um, and, and really anywhere else that you want. And, and then you can provide uh, distribution that way as well. Um, a lot of people don't realize some of these public chains like Ethereum, you know, 70% of the nodes on Ethereum sit on AWS. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you talk about decentralization and, and, and distribution, it's at many different layers, right? And so that decision usually comes way down the line of where all the nodes are going to operate. But, you know, we provide that flexibility to support. We, we are a multi-cloud company, so we want to support as many clouds uh, for this blockchain platform as possible. Okay. Sure. So that, yeah. that's, that's an important difference there. Um, you know, uh, versus the, the, the space that we're in, you know, these private permission chains that we can have this open platform and do, do this at scale with all the enterprise grade capabilities that we mentioned before. So Bank, Bank of Israel, going back to that one, you know, if, if uh, that project moved forward and it's, it's still early in digital currencies, there, there isn't really, besides China, um, there really isn't a country out there doing this at scale yet, but it is coming. There is demand for it, but we got to figure out this privacy piece. And our amazing engineering and product team on VMware blockchain is really leaning into that and want to, wants to invest in that space so that we can provide granular privacy and that, that feeling of safety, right? That I can, I can transact privately. And this could be across yeah. any use case. It doesn't have to be just digital cash or digital, digital currencies. It could be across, you know, when you share your records with the government, like some pieces of information you don't want to share. So you can click off of those and you can cryptographically prove that those things were not shared with the government without trusting the government, right? Wow. So, you know, this this will open up a whole new world of possibilities there and we're, we're very excited about that. So those are just some of the flavors of VMware blockchain and the use cases, the real world use cases that we're working on. Again, in financial yeah. services, it's, it's really happening because there's not only new products and services being launched on top of blockchain, which creates top line revenue growth, but there's also a lot of efficiency gains, ROI, right? And, and friction to be taken out of the system. And it's a new customer experience as well. So financial services for us, really, we feel like they get it. We started there. We grinded our teeth there with ASX and Broadridge. Um, they're great partners of ours, customers. And then we really want to focus on this market. Instead of diluting ourselves across multiple use cases, multiple markets, we want to really, really kind of win financial services and then spread out from there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a, a pretty aggressive target to start with in the first place. I mean, there's uh, that, that's go to the amazing. people have money, man. If you're gonna yeah. you're gonna launch something, you know, we'll we'll figure out like long tail supply. I mean, long tail supply chain and well, some of that stuff's been cool yeah. and talked about, but the the opportunity to build the platform and to and to battle test it at scale is going to be a lot larger on a stock exchange and a settlement system, uh, frankly, than like a pharmacy uh, reconciliation of supply chain. Um, it makes it makes yeah. sense. Th those are all great use cases and they need they need to progress. Um, but what we see is if 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 we can do this with financial services, we can do it anywhere. And also, like you, you said, right, that's where the money is. That's where the budgets are for these projects. Whereas with supply chain, some of the times it's, it's mostly cost takeout or efficiency. 
So it's not as high on the priority list in the projects, right? right? When you look adding, at it. Add, if you're adding 3%, you know, to deliver some agility to a supply chain and retail, like no one's going to sign up on that. It's, it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be a huge value win and a, a yes, cost takeout. That's right. It, cost savings just isn't as exciting. So yeah, I was kind of confused oh, yeah. initially. I was like, wow, we're really going big into the finance, but no, it makes sense. If, and, and like you say, the repo market and some of these things, the amount of transactions um, is nuts. And even if you add up everyone buying a stick of gum in the last you know hour um, at Walgreens, it doesn't hold a candle to the, the, the fidelity of data that's being generated to these other platforms. So that makes sense. Yeah. Very nice. So Josh, uh, yeah, VMware, VMware Explorer is coming up. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some information about this at that event. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Pete. Um, so at VMware Explorer, I definitely encourage everybody listening to sign up for some blockchain sessions. We're going to have four of them. A um, couple of ones that I think you'd be interested in is um, we have a hands-on lab, so you can take out hands-on lab. You can actually get stick time with the software, setting it up, uh, looking at distributed applications that you can deploy and use cases on top of this. And then you can kind of make that analogous to your organization and different use cases that you have. We also have a live session. Um, it's called Tech Tutorial um, on how to build a dApp on top of VMware blockchain. Um, and Ooh. so we'll have our team there um, doing that uh, live with you. Um, and you'll be able to, you know, kick the tires on our Ethereum tech preview um, and things like that. Um, and actually, you know, again, feel the software. Um, we will have a session on financial services called Wall Street is Paving a New Street on VMware Blockchain. Um, and that'll be all about the use cases that we just mentioned, but even more information um, and uh, sharing some details on that. So if you are in the financial services space, please come to that session. It'll be great to meet you. Um, it'll be obviously available online after and, and video. But if you're there in San Francisco, please come and meet us. Uh, and then we'll have a session with one of our partners. They're, they're building out an offering. I'm not going to give it away, but they're building out an offering uh, for for records management, um, kind of what I talked about public sector, you know, government agencies and things like that. They're building out that yeah. offering on VMware blockchain and Ethereum. So you can come you can come listen to that one uh, if you're in public sector. That would be great. Um, and uh, what else? Yeah, if you want to meet with us one on one, you can do that. Um, again, Hands On Lab is available now, so you can go on VMware Blockchain Hands On Lab now. Uh, don't don't just wait until Explore, uh, but we'll have some live sessions around that at Explore, and then we'll have uh, more information on our tech preview on how to get a hold of that for Ethereum, particularly. So yeah. those those are the sessions. Yeah, and for those listening, I will definitely leave a link on the show notes of this podcast with all of the sessions uh, and also Josh's contact information. Really cool information. Josh, we are also going to be at VMware Explorer. John and I are going to have a booth there for the podcast, uh, but we're also doing a live session. It's a, a, a live panel session. That session's called uh, 60 Minutes Virtually Speaking Live. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Ho hopefully we can catch up with you at VMware Explorer this year. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Pete and John, let's do that. It's been a while since we actually met up face to face. Um, yeah. So to do it, it would be amazing. Good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at vmware.com. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching Virtually Speaking Podcast. You can catch this in all episodes at vspeakingpodcast.com. A big thanks to Josh for sharing all the information on blockchain. We're back next week, but until then, bye for now.
Hey, a quick note for those still listening. Huge apologies on my mic quality for this episode. I happened to be on PTO this week and without my microphone, so had to record it with the uh, laptop. So apologies for the bad quality, but hope you enjoy the episode anyway. 